Oh, and I need an update. I, w- I will demand that we get an update. The interns that are currently walking the beer in yeah. Nevada, we need we need a tracker, and mm-hmm. I need to know when they get safely to California. Last I heard, he needed water, but we'll figure yeah. that part out. Welcome back to another episode of the Water Boys Podcast, a member of the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. I am Coach Gary. With me, as always, is Mr. Kyle Pagan. But before we get to today's show, let me tell you about our friends at Three Dimensional Physical Therapy. Tired of pretending that nagging pain in your back, shoulder, or knee isn't really bothering you? You don't need to wait for a doctor's appointment, x-rays, or pain pills. You can see a physical therapist like the pros do to help you get better, faster, and easier than you'd think. Three-dimensional physical therapy are the specialists in sports and orthopedic PT and can get you moving again pain-free. 3DPT is owned by physical therapists, not a hospital or physician group. Their only focus is getting you back to your best health, whether it's getting you back to the gym or golfing without pain. You can get one-on-one time with a physical therapist and personalized care. They have five locations in South Jersey and were voted the best in South Jersey. Three-dimensional physical therapy will get you moving again. Their info is linked below or visit 3dpt.com to learn more. Kyle, we got hockey action. Yo, Russ Joy, Crossing Broad, Snow and the Goalie, director of the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, joins the Water Boys, talk a lot of flyers, talk a lot of everything. It went a lot of places. Went a lot of places, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It's a conversation. That's all you can ask it for, was. right? And then stick around post-interview where Kyle and I talk about the huge win that I definitely watched of the Sixers beating the Utah Jazz. But let's not delay any longer and go ahead and kick it to our interview with Rush Joy. All right, we're joined here by Rush Joy, host of Snow the Goalie. Go check out that podcast if you're a Flyers fan, if you're a hockey fan, really. And then writer at Crossing Broad. Great picks. Great picks you give. I do read your I do read your picks a lot. I'm not really a hockey guy. I'm only on the lightning, uh, the puck line, which has been a killer this year. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do read some of your picks, and I do put some money on them. So thanks for uh, thanks for some of the free money this year. Well, I hope you didn't put it on it tonight. But you know, most of the time they work it's, out pretty well. I write the, the I write game. for the Flyers and the Sixers, and like. You would think that for covering hockey, my, my hockey picks would be better. My Sixers picks are actually doing better on the year, but it's okay. It's okay. Okay. So it's the more consistent team. Yeah. I mean, that's, listen, it, there, there is something to be said for when a team is leading their conference, it makes it a little bit easier to take the Sixers and then have to decide between, do we play, do we play the over under? Do we mm. parlay the over under and the spread? What are we going to do here? Instead of with the Flyers, how many guys do we have on the COVID list today? Yeah. And is is the uh, is the result really up in the air or not? So yeah, it's uh, listen. Not a lot of people bet on hockey comparatively, but we put those picks out anyway, and uh, we get a lot of engagement on the site, which is good. That's all you can ask for. And then, and speaking of the COVID list, young Beezer, what an hour, two hours before the game, Joel Farabee gets put on the COVID list. Sidney Crosby makes a miraculous recovery from a false positive. Wink, wink, wink. Um, Having one of the best seasons, probably the best season other than JVR on the Flyers right now. I know he's playing better than all the the top five Calder finalists from last year. Um, is this for real? I mean, is 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 Farabee, Are we doing this? The future? <laughs> Are we doing this? Well, friend of the Snow the Goalie podcast, Joel Farabee, one of the only guys to make multiple appearances. We like to think it's the Snow the Goalie bump. He's got. Um, He's been a point per game guy this year. Um, you know, usually you worry that uh, a guy entering his second season is going to have that typical sophomore slump, and he's he's avoided it. I mean, he did have a, a, a stretch earlier in the season um, where things, you know, went a little bit dry for him. I think it was a, a two or three game spell. No, it was like five games. He had that was that's right. The opener, he had a goal and he had three assists. And it was like, oh, young Beezer, four points to start the season. All right there, fella. And then uh he like went on the skids for five games. And then I remember he got back on the score sheet. I think he had another couple of games. And then after that, it's just been all guns blazing for him. And Joel Farabee's a guy that there is a lot to believe in and there's a there's a lot to uh to like about his game. The nice thing is that last year there were stretches where um, Elaine Vigneault and his uber-experienced coaching staff tried to uh, shelter him a bit with the Claude Giroux of the world or 
um, with the Sean Couturiers of the world. And, and there was a question, um, you know, prior to the season shutting down, prior to the, the long COVID break of, is Joel Farabee doing this on his own volition or is this just by virtue of being put on lines with guys that could raise anybody's skill? And what I think you're seeing this season is a guy who can play up and down the lineup, but more than anything, when this team lost seven players and it ended up being what, 10, I think overall going mm-hmm. on and off this team was, was short on scoring in a whole lot of ways. And Farabee didn't miss a beat. And it has to be said that when you're rolling one legitimate NHL line and you've got a sophomore uh, out on the wing, it's pretty easy defensively to try to shut that guy down. It's pretty easy to target that line specifically and it had no real impact on his production. So I think he's for real, and it's nice. It's, it's really nice. He's a young kid. And by the way, he's a kid who's got his head on his shoulders and is a good, is a good kid, like somebody that people in the organization speak highly of, uh, that his teammates like. That kind of thing goes a long way. And he's the 10th winger to average a point per game at age 21 or younger. Patrick Kane, Malkin, Ovechkin twice, Rick Nash, some good company. That's why people listen to Water Boys right That's there. Yeah. That, those are That's the kind I listen, you are the Ruben Frank of hockey stats. I'm gonna I'm gonna go right there now and we're gonna Ten observations that on my podcast. Yeah. Let's talk. Oh, you I look wanna, a little you don't look nearly disheveled enough to be Oh, he's Ruben. been looking great. I love that he doesn't care. He is he is his own man, and that's what I love about Rube. There's a difference between not caring and <laughs> genuinely looking like care. Like you just woke up under the Ben Franklin. And I think, I kind of think that's where Rube is starting to head. I want to know. Never mind. I'm not going to derail the I'm show. I'm glad someone no, else do it. No, I'm I want to do Someone that. else noticed it. I'm not, I, listen, I thought I was the only I'm not going to bring up the fact that NBC Sports Philadelphia has gutted everything. They went from a uh, regional powerhouse to a bare bones crew. No fault of the production They're staff. They're taking Derek no Gunn's fault sources of the people who are and working. putting them in a story. That was hilarious. There you go. And, <laughs> And listen, it's one thing if upper management doesn't care. And we know they don't care because they couldn't even be bothered to let Bill Clement know that they didn't want him back this year. Could not be bothered. They also didn't let Katie Emmer know until mm. it popped up on Crossing Broad. There were a few other people who lost their job that had to find out from Crossing Broad. It's fine. It's fine. It's no Damn. big deal. But they don't care. But you would like at least hope that some of your on-air talent would care. And Rube has gone the opposite way. It's yeah. almost as if Rube is just having a personal hygiene strike. And that's not to say that he's a bad person. It's just to say, my man, a little bit of product in the hair, maybe, maybe an appropriate fitting sweater over the button down, and we're going to call it a day. And it's, it'd be funny. Great. <laughs> it's funny. He's at the he point like- where he just doesn't want to go suit shopping. He's like, no, nah, I'll just keep wearing this blazer. It doesn't really fit that well. Ruben Frank looks more like Don Vito. From yeah. Vito LeBan yeah. with every close. passing day. Every pa- By the way, rest in peace, Big B. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess rest. Uh, I think he was kind of a terrible person, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Don't rest in peace. May he burn. <laughs> May he burn. Let's get back on track here. Like, explain to me what's going on with Carter Hart. Is Carter Hart, ha- I'm, Jesus, I almost just had a hat. One Boston accent there. Um, is Carter Hart just having it down here? Is the defense that bad in front of him? Or is he just kind of working through something right now? All right, before we get into the conversation about Carter Hart, I want to talk to you about Barsky Diamonds, a new sponsor of ours. Visit BarskyDiamonds.com and use the promo code WOODER. That's W-O-O-D-E-R for 10% off selected jewelry, $3,000 or less. Barsky Diamonds is a family-owned business that's located on Jewelers Row, 724 Sampson Street. For over a century, they've been the Philadelphia tradition offering the best in value, quality, and customer service. None of their sales associates work on commission, making their shop a no-pressure environment. Probably the best thing that can happen when you're going into a a jewelry store. Uh, They also create custom pieces in-store. So go on in, work with their experiences team. If you want to put in a custom order, maybe for Mother's Day, some summer engagements, maybe some weddings, Mm -hmm. go to Barsky Diamonds, 724 Sampson Street. A little off script. I went in there, the guy, uh, I have his name right here, Jeff Barsky. Yeah. Awesome dude. Father. Then he introduced me to his two sons. He showed me how they made the two, uh, made the custom pieces. Took me back to the vault. Damn. Called the vault where they polish all the diamonds and everything. Really cool. Jewelry stores have a really cool vault. I'm sure they do. Maybe, uh, maybe Jeff can hook me up. My you know, wife's first mother's day. I need to get Ooh. something for her. All right. Or a push present. I think I need to get a push present. Hey, Mr. Barsky, if you're listening to this, you know, Contact the Water Boys. Yeah, um, 
So go to Barsky Diamonds, 724 Sampson Street, or go to BarskyDiamonds.com, promo code WOODER, W-O-O-D-E-R, for 10% off selected jewelry. Is Carter Hart just having a down year? Is the defense that bad in front of him, or is he just kind of working through something right now? It's a few different things. So um, I want to – I just – there's this thing that happens, and it it happens a lot with the Flyers. It doesn't happen as much with Sixers Twitter. I don't know why, but Flyers Twitter, they they tend to like uh, young players, preferably who people think are, you know, like look like choir boys. Hmm. So like Nolan Patrick usually gets a pass. Can't be critical. Okay. Uh, Travis Konechny. A lot of people don't want you to be critical on. I like Travis Konechny. He's been on the show. Good guy. Carter Hart. If you question Carter Hart, it's almost as if like you have uh, torn up somebody's son's scholarship to college uh, as if you crashed his car into the river. Like people take it really personally. And if you are even the slightest bit critical of Carter Hart, it's like you... uh, you've committed character assassination. So the answer to your question is he's working through some things. Um, The coaches are working with him on the placement of his glove hand, which has been a thing for the past two years that they want him to raise his glove a little bit. But the problem is there was no real camp going into this season. There was no real off season program. And these are things that they want him to try to work in on the fly. And that can be problematic for a young player. It can be problematic for any goalie, in fairness, or any player who makes it to the professional level of their respective sport to be told, all right, now you have to work on this and work through it with little to no practice or little to no time leading up to the season. So he's working through some technique things. Uh, The defense was atrocious Mm -hmm. for large stretches of the season. Part of that was um, I, I have been very critical of Chuck Fletcher not replacing Matt Niskanen. Uh, which was a devastating blow. Yeah. And I said from the time that he announced his retirement that until they replace Matt Niskanen, this team has a ceiling. You can't consider them a Stanley Cup contender until they replace Matt Niskanen. And they didn't. Um, and then they signed Eric Gustafson, who's effectively a million and a half cheaper version of Shane Gostaspare, mm-hmm. which is fine on the power play. If you like having two guys who can quarterback a power play, but also aren't great at five on five, that's fine. If that's what you choose to do, I wouldn't, but they did. Um, Zidane Chara would have looked nice here for just over $700,000, mm-hmm. but by all means, Eric Gustafson in for 3 million. It was fine. Uh, so you have seven and a half million tied up between two guys who at five on five are effectively useless, but on the power play can sometimes do things that are nice. That's an issue. Yeah. Uh, and Zidane would have looked real weird and orange though. If we're all being fair. He would have, he, he definitely would have, but, um, if we're being realistic about this, that one extra year, to allow Ivan Provorov, not just Provorov to mature, but to allow Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim to have Mm -hmm. one more year to mature would have gone a long way. Like my biggest concern was you, you don't always think of the cascading effect of what happens if you don't replace one guy and how that negatively impacts everybody else. And the problem is that by not replacing Niskanen, the Flyers were set to enter the first game of the season was Shane Gossespair back on the top pair with Ivan Provorov. Yeah. The same Shane Gossespair who was a number six or seven defenseman for this team a year ago. Now, in fairness, they, for the most part, have looked okay together uh, in, their, in their run through the season. They've been okay. It's not ideal. Ivan Provorov, at this point, is not the true, true, true number one who elevates anybody who's with him. He's a very solid guy. He is a number one, but he's not the transcendent number one that I think a lot of people like to compare him to be. It's interesting you said that because I think I might have said this to Kyle. I mean, maybe Kyle and I had this conversation. I I, I was saying like he's ex- pro brawl he, being him is very good, but he's not at that level yet where you can just put him with anyone. And he can kind of lock down the, whoever the best one is. And it stinks that he has to play with a guy like Gossifier, more of a puck mover scorer, because I think one of the most valuable things the, the Flyers could have done, Char is a great example, is bringing another veteran defenseman in to kind of, one, bring Broberoff along and just to see how Char prepares for a season because he's a Stanley Cup champion, has at one point the greatest, he's, he at one point was the best defender in the league, and he's one of the most respected captains in NHL history. I think he would have had invaluable just life lessons to teach the younger Flyer defensive core. Which is a great point because the thing that most guys talk about, not only was the impact of Niskanen on the ice, but was everything else, everything 
off the ice, everything in practice, the way that he approached drills, the way that he approached being a professional player. So you're like spot on there, 100%, which is another missing piece. It pulls a comparison into almost like the Phillies when they brought in Roy Halladay. They said, you know, the other pitchers are like, well, we obviously have to work harder because this guy's this good and still does this much stuff. And maybe yeah. that's what it is because early on, uh, the, I, th- I felt the Flyers going into the season – I liked I liked their team. I liked their depth, but I was very questioned. I, I always question that defense. Do you think going into the year, they were just so kind of hyped up because everyone thought Carter Hart was obviously going to take this next step? And he just – I'm not going to say he hasn't, but he's going – we'll use the term. He he's hasn't. going through some you things. You can say he hasn't. He, yeah. he hasn't. I mean, I don't want to piss everybody off. I, I, it's well known well, that I'm to, an People need fan, to deal so with it. It's trying. okay. Yeah. I know. Well, the people thing, get angry when I say it because I'm not a Flyers fan. I'm an Islanders fan. So they automatically but that doesn't matter. Try to it doesn't make it any less. Yeah, it doesn't make it any less true. Like, right. I cover the team, and people get upset if I say Carter Hart has given up soft goals this year. Oh, well, like, who are you to say that? It's like I'm sorry. Like, at what point? Like, who are we going to defer to here? Like, you don't get to talk to or hear from the assistant coaches all year. Elaine Vino is not going to bury his young netminder. The rest of the team isn't going to bury him because they know that they're this. the highest ceiling this team can reach is with Carter Hart playing at a high level, right? I like Brian Elliott a lot. I've advocated that in a shortened season, Brian Elliott and Carter Hart, it should be a 60-40 split. 60 yep. Hart, 40 Elliott. How that and what you're going to see here, huh? How'd Listen, that go over? What? Be, what? Because because he gave because there were three goals in a minute and eleven seconds in tonight's game. Is that where we're going with? No, this? no, no, no. I'm saying how that go over oh, with, okay. with Flyers Twitter. No, oh, I it said went over just really the other well. day. I said just the other day, Elliot should be featured. Yeah, right. you know, he shouldn't be for a couple of simple reasons, which is Elliot has proven, and he's he's 35. Like Brian Elliot has shown that if if you if you try to ride him too much, his body breaks down. There's just no doubt, and I think he would tell you that too. The issue is that in a shortened season with a veteran head coach and a veteran coaching staff and a veteran front office, you can't say Carter Hart starts 80% of the games and is going to like work through whatever he's working on. And again, one of the things that people I don't think realize is that there's a technique thing that they're trying to get through to him. He also talked about, um, you know, at the end of last season and then into the, um, into this season was like closing down on guys was shortening their, um, you know, their, their path to net to try to be bigger. But Mm -hmm. the problem with that is if he's getting himself too far out of net, he's not able to, to protect that back post. And that's what teams took advantage of a lot early in the season. So you had like multiple compounding things. See, like we've gone like full circle now back to the original question, but like missing defenseman, Sean Couturier going out, by the way, early in the season was also a catastrophic thing because you talk about that cascading effect, not having the guy who can effectively man mark or, almost single-handedly shut down the opposing team's top line, then puts more onus on your defensive core that's already been um, decimated. And then it goes back to your young netminder who wasn't able to work through everything at the start of the season. And you see how this has a negative effect. And then what ends up happening is the narrative comes out that Carter Hart's garbage or that Carter Hart has regressed or, and (laughs) it's not that he's, you know, it's not that he's regressed. It's just that like people are upset when you say that he's not progressed because people don't like to admit the fact that they bought into hype, they manufactured themselves. Like, I don't know anybody else who covers the team that I respect who said in the off season, Carter Hart is a dark horse Vezina candidate. That wasn't a thing. That was a thing that flyers Twitter put together. Right. That was a thing that some people on flyers, Facebook groups put out. And now that it's not happening and the media is saying, hey, there are some issues, they're yelling into this like echo chamber, hoping that they can like light us on fire when in fact, like they should be looking themselves in the mirror. So it's kind of where we're at. I think you bring up a really, like a really great point, especially with that technical issue of him moving the, um, the glove up is what you're saying. Because when I think when you talk about goalies, especially when you're talking about then coming out to challenge somebody, what that goalie's trying to do is cut the angle. So you're trying to take the angle away from the shooter who has every advantage. Goalie's a reactive position. So yep. when you're dealing with angles in the NHL, these scores are so elite that one degree doesn't matter as much. So sometimes the like the Russian goalies very early on used to struggle with this. I think Bobrovsky had a big issue with coming out of his net and then retreating back. It's listen. 
I will sit here to the end, to the day I die saying playing goalie in the National Hockey League is the hardest position in sports. It is because the scores are that elite and the angles of degree mean so much more there. But I also wanted to do this comparison with you because a lot of people have been having fun on Twitter with this. Is Carter Hart approaching polarizing Carson Wentz? Yes! We're going to do it! Yeah, I I know. I think you wanted it. Yeah, I think you wanted it. So, like, is it getting to the point where if you're going (laughs) to – it's almost time to choose sides? Are you ready for the fly – for for it to be Carson Hart? Let Let me just say. If you're listening to this show <laughs> and in your mind you've said that Carter Hart is the second coming of Carson Wentz, I need you to put your phone down. I need you to, to go get yourself something bubbly. Okay. I need you to perhaps go and purchase uh, some soothing um, bath salts. Drop those not in the Not the ones tub. the Florida guys use, right? No, not that one. Not okay. that one. Uh, put on the Calm app, listen to maybe like <laughs> ocean soundscapes. And I need yeah. you to stay there until you get that crap out of your head. <laughs> like the, the only people, it, the people who made the comparison are people who don't watch hockey. That's, they're that's the very fair. <laughs> they're the casuals who were like, oh, I thought the Flyers were supposed to be good. Carter Hart just gave up four more goals. So much for the chosen one. It's like, let's also keep in mind. Carter Hart didn't really play much in the AHL because circumstances forced him to the NHL level. Ron Hextall wanted him to stay down for at least a year. They had eight goalies play that year. At some point, something had to give and Carter Hart came up. You can't, like, I, I've had people tweet at me that it's time for them to send him down to the Phantoms, bring Alex Lyon up. <laughs> I, like, I don't think you understand how this works. Bring I, back Steve Mason. No. I like Flyers Twitter. I should dive in more. Yeah, no, you Flyers should. Twitter's it's a, a scary place. It's a place. remarkable place. Yeah. It's not as bad as Sixers Twitter, but it's like a different kind. It's yeah. a it's a totally different kind, but it's almost as irrational, just in totally different ways. It's also so magnified because he's the Flyers goalie, and let's all be yeah. fair, we were having a conversation, Kyle and I, last year, that is Carter Hart on the Mount Rushmore of Flyer goalies already. Because, so. I mean, here's uh, historically, not the strongest depth at the goalie position through Flyers hockey. Mm-hmm. And they've been searching for it. And I feel like everyone's clamoring so hard for this guy to be the anointed one that this year just feels worse because he's not playing well right now, which I, I don't take any pleasure in it, but I'm glad everyone's had that comes back to earth a little bit on this guy. Spot the lie. I, I mean, think he is. The thing is that the team that he struggled the most against is the Boston Bruins. Yep. Who happened to lead the division, who happened to be for way now. better than I, who, who, I mean, listen, I know that you like the Islanders and I know that in your heart, you think that that's a good thing. It's a waste of your time. It's I mean, it's so. as much, it, it really is. Um, but like Boston has somehow overcome the loss of Chara and Krug and, and pieced together a team that like, I, I just quite frankly didn't think was going to be as dominant as they are. So like if the big issue here is that Carter Hart has been bad against the Bruins, okay. So have most of the guys on the team. And in fairness, in fairness, Boston hasn't really gone up against a fully healthy Flyers squad this year. By the way, the first, what was it? The first two, I think, were when uh, Couturier was out in the beginning of the year. So, like, it's not a totally fair thing to say that, you know, the Bruins are exponentially better than the Flyers. But I will say that if you're talking about, like, the sports betting side of things, and if you were really thinking about, like, who to throw money down on right now, you would take Boston 10 out of 10 days over the Flyers until the Flyers get a top four defenseman, preferably a guy that you can put together with Ivan Provorov. So, you know, Carter Hart's been good against everybody else, everybody else in the division. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I've watched a lot of Bruins hockey because I went to school in Boston. Get them to the playoffs, Tuka Rask, big fraud. Not a playoff winner. Left the bubble last year. Not a game, not not a winner. Yeah, they had Yarrow, though, like, which is Looks nice. like Jim Carrey's Grinch. I agree, guys. This is good. <laughs> this has been very productive. The Tuka Rask roast. Yeah, who would have thought you would but, be roasted Tuka Rask? Um, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, it, it's just... The, it's really hard to tell people to be level-headed. It's Philadelphia. It, it is. Works. It's not fun. People what? get their hearts into it. And I think, like, their heart into it. And, like, the maybe more than anything else, it's like... 
you think of where do where does the Venn diagram of Philadelphia sports fans cross over? Flyers fans are their own breed. Thank I mean, you. like the the Flyers fans and Sixers fans are not inherently the same thing. Just because they play at the same time of the year doesn't mean that a Flyers fan is then going to switch the channel or like look forward to the Sixers game the next day to take away the sting. Now I'm like that. So it makes my life a little bit easier. But for somebody who's all in on the Flyers and the Eagles or the Flyers and the Phillies and just keeps getting beaten down with the Phillies being garbage, with the Eagles imploding, with Howie Roseman still having a job somehow, you get hit and hit and hit. And then you think, all right, the Flyers are going to be the salvation. Carter Hart's going to be the salvation. And again, they talk themselves into this frenzy only to like kind of get hit with the reality that like, he's still young. The team still has some issues and the team had a bunch of guys go on the COVID list. Like it doesn't mean the world is ending. It just means that like they, they're kind of getting hit with so many negatives from so many different parts of their Philly sports life that they get a little bit irrational and it's okay. It's totally fine. Hmm. It'll be okay. That makes sense. And I feel like I'm, I'm scared that we're going to find that happening again sometime in June when the, when the Sixers are playing in the playoffs that, you know, we're going to get, bonked over the head again with uh, with the rational fear that we're actually a team that can compete against the Nets or in the second oh, round. Man, can, uh, can't listen, wait for the Ben Simmons takes. If the Sixers make the finals, at least they'll win more than one game. And they won't need some phony moment of stepping over another player and then oh, getting swept man. in the final four games <laughs> to live on in, oh boy, what a great moment in Philly sports history. Like, well, I'm at least confident crowd. about that. I mean... I don't want to get a debate about it. I'm glad step over, but it's an iconic, it's one of the most iconic plays in all sports. I know the, the, the background is they got swept four to one, but I mean, the fact they won one game was, you know, was better than anything. I mean, they, they, he drug a team participation trophy, Theo Ratliff, yeah. George Lynch, Matt Geiger, and Dikembe Mutombo to, to the finals. Okay. That team's not getting anywhere. Any, any time without that. I mean, Gary looks like he's, uh, he's ready to go in on this. Is that no, my sensing? I, I can't do it. I can't, I can't keep being mean to the Sixers on the podcast. I can't do it. So I'm going to refrain myself. You can be mean to Allen Iverson Sixers. Like that's okay. Oh yeah. I, mean, I don't know listen, who's going to be upset. I think you'd be I mean, mean more to, to who was the uh, Pat Croce and who was the GM back then? It wasn't Billy King. Billy King? Uh, uh, Billy King was after, but whoever it was, you could be mean to the GM for not ever giving Allen Iverson anything. To I mean, if you can't tell, I'm obviously not an overly big basketball guy. Yeah, I mean, let's bring I in pay, Derek Coleman. I pay um, attention in the last four games of the season. All right, trade deadlines, April twelfth. It's a, mm-hmm. it's cool. I'm going to say it's cool. So the players have to quarantine if they're traded for seven seven days. If a Canadian team is acquired. A player from the U.S., I have this written down, they have to quarantine for 14 days. And if you trade Canada yep. to the Canada team, you only have to quarantine for 48 hours. So that's pretty cool. That's a, that's a, little, that's a cool wrinkle, a little caveat in the, in the trade deadline. So it kind of benefits the Flyers in a way because obviously they're going to have more teams to trade with, you know, because Canada is, there's a lot less teams in Canada than there are in the U.S. Analytics. Um, mm. Do you see? Can you put that on a bar graph for me, really quick? Good, so yeah. I can. That was good analytics. Math. That's a pie chart. A pie chart. Yeah. So that, along with the expansion draft, which I'm really getting to, is like, can we dangle out a player to a team? I know uh, the Predators, uh, Matthias, Matthias Ekholm. Yeah, Ekholm yeah. is being rumored. Can we dangle mm-hmm. a player out and be like, hey, listen, here's a guy that can sweeten the package that maybe the Kraken can have for your, when, when, when the expansion draft has, does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It works. So, yeah, so it means, makes a lot you can of sense. tell I'm a very green NHL fan. <laughs> I almost did a British accent there for some reason. I still don't know why, like Canadian would have made sense. I don't know what was, I don't know. There was a sound coming out just, of me, but yeah, I was that, just going to say a bunch makes, of hockey lingo, this whole, this whole, uh, it thing. makes, it makes sense. Um, there are a few different levels to this. And this is one of the other things that I don't think people always realize or think about the expansion draft. um, Teams are going to work outside deals with Seattle. Like the Mm -hmm. the big thing that people have gotten worked up in a frenzy about on flyers, Twitter is um, well, okay. If you go out and acquire another defenseman, that means you're going to have to leave one of uh, Travis Sanheim or Phil Myers exposed as part of the expansion draft because you only get to protect so many forwards, so many defensemen. You have to do the calculus on how good is this team? How good is this team playing when the deadline hits? 
And how likely do you think it is that you're going to win a Stanley Cup? And if you do the math on it and you say, this is the perfect season to take advantage of what is likely the end of, or close to the end of, depending on who you talk to, the prime, quote unquote, of Claude Giroux, of James Van Riemsdyk, of Jake Voracek, while Joel Farabee is shooting up, while you hope Oscar Lindblom is able to rediscover his form, while you hope that Nolan Patrick is able to find some semblance of what he looked like prior to the season and and very early on. And if you do all that math and you say, hey, this is the perfect moment because you you can't do this thing where like you push it off two more years because at that point you're gonna have 15 to 23 million tied up in Giroux, Voracek, and Van Riemsdyk, who will not be anywhere near their prime, you can't just continue to push that away. So you have to do something to maximize, right? Like on the Sixers side, you just say like, do you you go all in on a Kyle Lowry move because this is the best Joel Embiid's ever played. And there's no guarantee that he's going to be healthy next year. They look great. This might be the year to push all the chips in. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but you tried. The Flyers, like that is a thing. That's the thing they have to consider. Could you theoretically lose Travis Sanheim? Yes. You could. If you go out and get at home, you could theoretically lose Travis Sanheim. At the same time, you could also work out a side deal with Seattle. What happens in these expansion drafts is teams talk to the team that's going to be completing the draft. And you might send them a pick. You might send them a pick and a prospect just in exchange for them not taking one of the guys that you had to leave exposed by virtue of the structure, but you don't want to lose. Hmm. That's a thing that's going to happen. And it's an advantageous thing for the expansion side. Going into the season, it would have been totally logical to say the Flyers will leave either James Van Riemsdyk or uh, Jacob Voracek exposed. Because if one of them goes, that's $7.5 million or $8.25 or $8.75 for Voracek. And if if they take him, sure, you're going to lose a points guy, but you're losing a big salary. There were thoughts of like, all right, maybe Gostas Bear's taken for $4.5 million, and then that's off your books. The, The question that you raised if the Flyers were to say, we want Ekholm and we're going to send away Shane Gostisbehere, the benefit to Nashville would be Gostisbehere would be the guy they would leave exposed. Right. So like in, in their scenario, you are probably trading to them at least a first, probably a prospect, maybe a second prospect or a conditional pick. Sorry to interrupt you. Is, and so, when, you're, when you got the expansion draft and, and the crack and take them, is that contract wiped off your books? Yeah, it's it's pretty much like trading, essentially. Yeah, exactly. So what you're doing in that sense is if Nashville has a certain set of guys that they want to protect, but but by acquiring that defenseman, they can leave him exposed, you're pretty much doing that one-for-one swap. But like Ekholm is a free agent at the end of the year. So you would theoretically like not have that same exposure, like like the same value of exposure. So that's kind of like the deal that would make sense for the Flyers, like something like that, where you're trading them a piece that they could leave exposed. I don't know if it'll happen. I don't know if it will happen. And I don't know if Chuck Fletcher is going to want to work out, you know, the perfect side deal or whatever to make sure that one of his young defensemen don't get plucked away. But like, to me, he has to make a deal. And like TSN reported that um, Fletcher was the most active GM in trying to get a top four defenseman this off season. And that's great. And like that to me screams of like Danny Ainge, leaking to the press that like the Celtics were close on every star for the last six years. (laughs) And like, maybe it's true and maybe it's not. But like, when you look at the Flyers prospect pool, when you look at the draft assets they have, when you look at some of the young proven players they have at the NHL level, when you look at guys that are going to be coming up uh, to either restricted free agency or UFAs, like there are enough things here that even if it's an overpay, you need to go out and get a top two, top four defenseman. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. And that's when you get into the really unpopular opinion that it might be time to just blow things up to an extent. Like the James Van Riemsdyk breakout season, there's reason to believe that this isn't going to be a sustainable model for the (laughs) remaining three years on his contract. So if you're not going to go out and get that top defenseman, then you may as well try to trade him now to a Mm -hmm. contending team that happens to have some cap flexibility, which there aren't many of, and it's another flat cap year next year as well. So it's a little bit tricky, but like, That's the move you have to make if you're going to do anything. Get value there. Because if if you don't solidify this defensive core and you don't get somebody that Ivan Provorov can rely on, the ceiling of this team drops exponentially, even if Carter Hart 
gets back to the form that he had last year, even if he takes another step. You need a solid defensive core in front of him. Otherwise, you're putting him in a in a, a bad position. So then where do you see the remainder of this year going for the Flyers? If they make a move, do you say they're kind of they're gonna be a lock to be one of those top four teams? Or do you think regardless of what they do, they're gonna be battling with Pittsburgh, New York, and Boston to stick around four, five, and or I'm sorry. Yeah, four, five, and six. I know this Three, will four, upset four, five, you. and six. I'm sorry. This will upset you, Islanders fan. But, like, I think realistically, the Flyers right now, I think it's Boston, the Flyers, and then I think it's a, a group of two or three teams in the East. I'm not saying that the Flyers are three levels above. I think it, it definitely goes Boston. I think the Flyers have the skill, like, when they are healthy, they have the skill to be a better team. And then you've got, like, the rest and somewhere somewhere through the basement. Yeah, you got the Sabres somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Sabres somewhere. Um, well, bad I, news. I, you know I, the, the Islanders and Sabres play, like, five times in the next four days. So if we can just get a sweep, <laughs> we're running away with the division at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. It's advantageous yeah. schedule right now. Yeah. Um, I would say that I think the Flyers are in a position where they should finish in the top two in this division. I think if they get a legitimate – defensive partner for Ivan Provorov, they could win the East. Could I think it would be a really, I think it'd be, I think it'd be a really tough series with Boston, but in fairness, last season, they had a lot of success against Boston. It, it wasn't as bad of a matchup as you would have thought. And again, the numbers look really bad this year. Also worth pointing out the four matchups haven't been with a fully healthy flyer squad. So take that for what you, you want, but I it's true. solidify the defensive core. And I think, the, the the ceiling is much higher than what it is right now. See, I th- think the East is a lot simpler than – I see you're saying there's an echelon of teams. I think the East is pr- pretty simple. There's four good teams in the East, and there's four teams that should make, and it's Washington, New York, Boston, and Philadelphia. I, I think Pittsburgh – I mean, obviously it's hard to say they're not deep because you have Malkin, Crosby, and Latang, but they, you know, they're, not, they're not overly deep, and they're inconsistent. The Rangers are super young. The Devils are a joke, and the Sabres are a joke. So I think there's an obvious four teams that should get there. Um if I'm the Islanders and if I'm the Islanders, I want the Bruins in the first round. I almost feel like if you're the Flyers, you would want the Capitals in the first round. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Honestly, that's just the, a better the, matchup the, the for team both teams. I, the team that I think the Flyers would want to avoid is the Islanders. Well, and it's yeah, not because I mean, the Islanders the are this like exponentially more talented team. It's just that the Islanders figured out a formula. They actually, it's not that they figured out the formula to beat the Flyers last year. It's they saw the model that Montreal put out. And New York was just a better overall team than Montreal. They were able to right. execute that plan better. So I don't like the Islanders matchup. I would much rather watch a first-round series against Boston and let the chips fall where they may. But you're right. Washington would be the best matchup for Philadelphia. Yeah, I feel like how Washington and Philly are, are the right play. How are the playoffs structured coming out? So obviously the top four teams in each division win it, and then they play each other. And then I think we played the, it will be the, the Capitals and Hurricanes division, right? I'm not sorry. The Tampa Bay and Hurricanes division, which is, what is it called this year? The central, the central. central. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. the East would wind up playing. And, the central, and then it's like the Canada. Wind I think up. the West, yeah. The West and the North. Yeah. Go head to head. Yeah. Cool. Okay. The which is interesting Canadian because division, like, like it almost seems like it's just a collision course with Tampa Bay right now, though. Carolina's playing very well. I'm not a Carolina believer. Like Me I, either. I, I'm until, just saying. Until it, yeah, until it happens, Carolina can do whatever they want. Uh, I'm, I'm not a believer. You know what the funny thing is? Like the, the, we have, like we have to point out the irony of this. It's amazing that Toronto's having the best. Don't get year, me started on that stupid team. Right? Toronto's having this great year, and it also happens to come in a year where there's nobody in the arena to see it. Yep. Now, obviously, that could that could change, but it's just funny, like the. The way that they get on their team in Toronto, uh, which doesn't get enough attention relative to like how, you know, those darn Philadelphia fans get on their teams all the time and how negative that is. Not a lot's changed. And yet Toronto is having this excellent season. I'll say it right now. There is not a worse fan base in professional sports than Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Really? They suck. I hate that place. I hate that place with all my heart. And it was before the rat snake went there before that whole thing went down. I hate that franchise. Who went in there? In fact, it's my most hated franchise in the world. What? Who went there? Look it up, Kyle. Okay. Yeah. All right. Is he wearing 99? Or no, it's retired. What's he wear? Oh, that's embarrassing. Yeah. You're joking. Is 99 really, is 99 really retired? I don't believe it's retired. Yeah. 
Oh. Okay. Anyway. Um, do you, you really gotta, think that the Islanders would have been that much better if Tavares had stayed? Oh, well, you can't say no, that. I actually that don't. So it's funny. Um, me and Bertitas had this conversation at FanFest. Me and him had like a 45-minute conversation at FanFest. And when you go back and think about it, the money the, – the Islanders aren't in an advantageous cap space either. They, I mean, obviously, the move Taves, which kind of hurts them this year, although they've done a good yeah. job of filling in. But, I mean – would he be nice to have? Sure, because then you have a Crosby Malkin esque depth thing with him and Barzell. Mm-hmm. But the trot system, I feel like you don't. I mean, listen, having Tavares is not luxury. He's obviously an upper echelon player in the NHL. I'll give him that credit. I actually think it was. I think it was the best thing for both situations. It just hurts because he lied to the fan base for the entire time. That's why I hate him so much. He was asked not to be. They they said like, hey, listen, we're considering trading you. He's like, don't trade me. I'm going to resign. Fucking just pulls him along, pulls him along, pulls him along. And he goes, yeah, never mind. Let me post a picture of me and my freaking uh, Nabu Starfighter. Say I'm going home. Like, what a loser move. The guy's such a loser. I mean, I, this, I, I finally understand why the Devils fans hate Parisi so much because they did the same thing to them. Yeah. That's my take on, you know, it's tough being a fan of a small market team, Russ. Not everyone yeah. wants to come there, although so, now we're going to have the so most small. beautiful. Now we're going to have the most beautiful so arena in uh, – the NHL, so you're still in Long Island. It's a it's a shame that it's going to be a mediocre product, but that's fine. No, I mean, listen, it's good. It's good to have flashy things. Three years. Um, oh, I don't know. Also, we might have to throw down for that one. I I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's I'll I'll throw down for it. That's fine. But I'll, I'll, I said it. I'll own it. But I don't know if I truly believe it. But I, obviously, sure, I'll take it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I also want to say this before we get off. I love Barry Trotz. There, I said it. Seems like a lovable guy. I don't blame you for loving Barry Trotz. I love Barry Trotz. But Barry Trotz the, is an excellent luckiest co- thing in the world. What? Like the luckiest thing in the world is he happened to get fired the same year where there was like one opening and he had to come to yep. New York. I was like, boom, big time win for us. Although it it's amazing. Sneak left. So yeah, I mean, when you think about it, that is the thing that fundamentally changed the Islanders' outlook. Oh, absolutely. without a doubt. Listen, I mean, you can make the Dougie case. Wait you can make the case for the Flyers that like. That that Vino did a similar thing for the Flyers as well, but the oh, upgrade and, and and just the circumstances that set up that move to get Trotz was big. It was huge. Yeah, I mean that was the. It was it was tough because it was like great news and directly followed by terrible news, but also and people give him a lot of shit. Lou Lamarillo has come in and really kind of changed the whole moniker of how they're doing things up there. So I know there's people have their opinions on Lou, but. So far, so good with Lou. Let's just see what happens when someone else takes over. I just wanted to ask you, like, have you have you come down? Like, have you taken uh, enough nitrates or whatever for your heart after the uh, the clip that I got tagged in of of you being very upset about Carson? Were you oh, yelling yeah, at everybody? You're okay now. Yeah, oh, yeah. I just wanted to make sure. Okay, uh, I'm here. Russ, for one you. thing, one thing you got to understand about me is I think I'm the most elite at just getting over it. Okay, I'll give you the outrage and then I'll just be like, yeah, it's over. Okay. Yeah. Once, once, uh, I mean, listen, once the as, jersey goes up on the wall, it's over. Hasn't gotten up there yet. No. It's just because I'm as members of the CVS. As members of the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, I need mm-hmm. to make sure that we're that that we're we're keeping an eye out for you. Don't are you don't worry about your health. Me. Your your health and safety is of the utmost importance. Wow. So I'm glad to hear that you're doing. Yeah. Well. Don't worry. I walk every day. I make sure it goes well. I didn't Doc peg you as the HR guy. Yeah. Me? Yeah. I thought Wankel would be more HR. No, Wankel's a Listen, no. cannon. <laughs> no, not no. Yeah, not the not Wankster. No, no, no. Uh, Wanker. No, no, no. Not Kinker either. No, Kincaid. No. Kincaid. Far from. Listen, if if uh, Kevin Kincaid ran HR, we would have forty unpaid interns <laughs> just <laughs> spamming the ninety-seven-five Twitter account every day. And let me tell you that uh, if there's one thing that we learned from Kevin's writing and his interview with Mike Missinelli, it was from Natalie Eganoff who so astutely pointed out, do not disrespect the Mike Missinelli show. I mean, if that doesn't, that doesn't wrap up the Philadelphia sports conversation, uh, I don't know what does. So how could you, I, I'm going to hang that when, when we're back in the office, I'm going to hang that up yeah. right over the door. I mean, how don't could respect. you, how could like, you disrespect, disrespect such a fine institution like the Mike Missinelli show? Um, <laughs> Mike Missinelli show. Before we, before we get out, we have our last question. How do you disrespect somebody who who's disrespected his producers, <laughs> women, women again, women again? 
his producers, also women, but it's fine. You learn. He learns from his mistakes. He makes a million of them. He makes high profile ones, both regionally and nationally. But by all means, he learns from his mistakes. We should all strive to be. No, no. Yeah. Contract <laughs> extension. Now I'm worried about your health. Are you okay? Yeah. I'm okay. So, listen, I'm fine. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm great. Gary Lay and Rush Joy, very good at getting over things. Yeah. <laughs> we should start our own podcast called Very Good at Getting Over Things. Very good at getting over. I like it. You need an intern? I like it. We can't pay you. Uh, uh, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, I believe in working hard for what I want. Love that. That's the American <laughs> way. It's the yeah. American dream, boys. Made it through 240 years of this country doing that. So uh, this last question is sponsored by Kenwood Beer. Hey, Kenwood Beer, if, you, <laughs> if you're listening to this, thanks for holding on. Uh, Kenwood Beer, the original, or no, sorry, the most refreshing light lager, the Philadelphia mm-hmm. light lager. When you think of Kenwood Beer, you think of Philly. Have you ever, have you had one? You've had to see it all, all over Twitter. They're all over the place now. They're, they're, they're getting I, big time. I have not. I, I look forward to receiving some in the mail though. Okay. Well, okay. you can go to the distrib- you can go on kenwoodbeer.com and find out where it's the closest distributor to you. And um, we still haven't sent any to John Gonzalez or Colleen Wolf. They're they're yeah. actually like the first people. They're like out in it. California, aren't they? Well, the guys I, walking well, there with it now. Expensive. Yeah, we yeah, have guys, our yeah. interns walking there. When yeah. he's back, we'll make sure. When he walks back, we'll get it to you. It'll be a lot less travel for him after he's yeah. done walking back in California. Last I heard, he was in Nevada. Ask how much we're giving him. Nothing. Yep. Um, the last question I have for you, Rush Joy, do you protect Carter Hart in the expansion draft? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what you're laughing yeah. at. This is a serious I question. Say no, I dare yes, you. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. I want to make sure. <laughs> do you protect Moose and not Carter Hart in the expansion draft? Oh, what a spicy thing that would be. Yeah. That would be. I, I, think, I think it might be advantageous for the team to make sure that they, okay. uh, they protect Carter Hart. Yeah, I think. Well, I think Flyers Twitter lay off a rush joy. There you go. I mean, then you just yeah. no. Oh, and Flyers just tied it up. <laughs> bring it. How about that? See that? Look at that. that? See, we put good juju out into the universe. Giroux tie game. Claude second goal of the game. Yeah. By the way, if you if you bet on the picks, you know that I had. I told you two or uh, one player to score two or more goals in the game. It was like plus one ten fox bet. Bang! That's there all it was. Through two goals. Two plus goals. Yeah, I. Crazy, right? You would think that would be higher. It's because yeah. in two of the three previous meetings this season, at least one player had scored two goals. Okay. When it rains, it pours okay. in Flyers Penguins. Well, there it is. I mean, we're protecting Carter Hart. We're protecting Claude Giroux. Might not be protecting Reamer. Uh, we'll see that. Might not be protecting uh, Travis Sanheim. Hopefully the Preds get give us uh, – who's the guy again? Ekholm. Okay. There you go. I watch in June. <laughs> That's fine. It's fine. Totally I okay. watch, but I, I pay attention in June. That's okay. Okay. Listen, watching, you just paying the amount of attention you did right now is more than the flagship station that holds the station the uh, the team's rights does throughout the year. True. With the exception of the great Jason Martinez. But aside from that, you I never know. Jason. Yeah. yeah. Jason's well, a great guy. Man, he was a great, great guy. guy. 97.5 got it today. <laughs> <laughs> we ever hope to go in the 97.5? There it goes. Well, you know, you live well, in your You life. guys... I'm sorry. You know what? Listen, you guys oh. defended 97.5 well, and uh, thank you. This is just a rogue person who just, mm-hmm. you know. Well, good thing there's a lot of there's a lot of platforms in the in the 21st century. Yeah, and we're at the best one in Philly anyway. Why would yeah, we, we are. Whatever. Hey, uh, can you tell your boss we'd love to, for him to come on whenever you get a chance? We DM'd him in his new account too, and he still never got back to us. You DM the new account? We do. Yeah, right. I said, we did. I said, hey, with a smiley face. I thought that would get him. See, he doesn't even have the right now to act like he hasn't seen it. See, like the main account, DMs will sit for a while. Yeah. The new account that he's trying to drum up interest in, he's done a pretty good job. Tell him to come on to promote something. We'll promote the new account. Yeah. We'll you know what? The new account. I'm, I, I will say, Kincaid has been going to bat for you a lot. I have seen him send messages to Kyle saying, get your, get your keister. Over on Water Boys, and, it'll uh, just make it that much better. Like I mean, we 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 worked harder for Kyle Scott than we worked for like Alex Singleton, Lefko, Colleen Wolf. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but the payoff's going to be that much better. It is going to be fun. Gonna, well, here's the thing: it, the, in the moment that you get him, 
the things that he's going to say, you'll get 40 clips out of to promote okay. on social and it'll be totally worth it. Yeah, it's but we're just, just going to waste his time and I'm going to pitch him business ideas. That's all we're going to do. I'm just going to pitch him oh, my business ideas. Idea. He's flush with yeah. cash. Just have it recording as soon as he gets in. Okay. Yeah. So my first one is he just gives me a million dollars. Hopefully he says something we can cancel him for so we had to hold it over his head. Yeah. Unpaid internships. Ooh. That's how I get a million dollars. Unpaid internships. Boom. I don't think that's going to work, but you could try. Eh, happen you to Jen Slater. Try. <laughs> Why is my, yeah, my phone is like going to war over here. I, I haven't heard from that. Jen Slater since you put out that tweet. Game's tied up. That's why. Okay. Maybe that was it. Um, I got Reese Hoskins feeling good. That's the last one I got. What? That's, a, that's the alert I got. That's my phone was gone. Oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> I'm glad he's feeling good. I, yeah. I would just appreciate if Reese Hoskins would actually, you know, play. Believes he'll play opening well. day. Believes he'll play opening day. Well, that's day. great. I yeah. hope he actually like hits the ball this year. Hey, he had a great swell. Mickey Moniak, don't ever use the B word ever again. Two home runs today. All right, well, that's Rush Joy. Uh, the back half of that fell off a little all off the rails, but it simply does. So uh, go listen to Snow the Goalie. Him and uh, Anthony Sanfilippo do a good job. And they have really good uh, Flyers guests that uh, the Water Boys wish would, they would pass along to, uh, to them if they, uh, if they get a chance. Um, Snow the Goalie, Russ, thank you so much for coming on. This was fun. This went everywhere. I had a, I had a good time. I hope you did too. I had a great time. I wasn't asking. I, had, I was asking Ross. Oh. I had the best time. I Did couldn't you? have imagined a better way to spend my evening than with you two fine gentlemen. And I'm glad to know that everything is fine. And uh, may you hire as many interns as you need. Use Kyle's credit card. And okay. by all means, uh, I look forward to finding out what they did. Awesome. What yeah. they do. Oh, and I need an update. I, I will demand that we get an update. The interns that are currently walking the beer in yeah. Nevada... We need, we need a tracker, and I need to know when they get safely to California. Last I heard, he needed water, but we'll figure yeah. that part out. I'll get you out on this note. When you wake up tomorrow, the Islanders will be in first place in the East, tied for first. A blind Thanks for coming on, Russ. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Russ. All right, hand up. I fucked up. I, have, I should have watched the Sixers game last night. It, I knew it was on. I saw it happening on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, God, I should probably tune into this game but there was a modern family the- uh, marathon on. So I stuck with that. Um, I, I do the, regret, I do you regret the hell of a game. You missed the hell well, of yeah, a game. I mean, I re- I relived it through sports radio and the callers today and, and through Twitter, but um, sounds like a big one. The boys got a big win last night. eh? <laughs> I might have to walk you through this whole the Sixers talk. No, I actually know. I know what happened just by listening. That's the great thing about that. You don't have to watch. You can just actually, listen the next day. I want to know what you think being just a totally, unblemished, not watching the game. What was your opinion of the game? And then we'll, we'll go over it. Oh, uh, no, it's kind of have a, it's tough to have an opinion of the game when you didn't see a second of it. Um, well, here's my general takeaway. It sounds like uh, Donovan Mitchell is a mental midget. Okay. And he can't handle someone playing good defense like Ben. I would agree. With um, from what the caller said, Ben was basically a non-factor. I mean, if you look at his stats, kind of looked like he was, but I'm not going to take anything from the callers because the callers hate Ben Simmons. Okay, that was wrong. Um, and, I mean, Joel Embiid just continue makes his case for uh, MVP. Continue oh, and Tobias. Case. Tobias, nice piece. Tobias, nice little, little game. Um, he should have actually been the – if he doesn't have the overtime he has, and I think he had the first eight points, he's the guy – he's the caller's guy. To today, he's the guy. I think, that they no, all I go think it, the callers are always going to be on Ben Simmons, no matter what. It's a Ben Simmons hate fest. Yeah. yeah, I don't listen to it, but you listen to it, so you know more than I do. Yeah. Anyway, so but I don't, I don't know. Tobias why. Harris regulation. Tobias Harris wasn't there. Um, overtime. Tobias Harris was was amazing. Joel Embiid, forty and nineteen. Forty and nineteen against the, the two time Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, the fact that we're even talking about Keith Keith Pompey's article, I know you know he has to give his his take and he has to give his rebuttal to, you know, some guy calling him out. I, I totally understand that. I can't believe after the performance that Joel Embiid put on, that's, you know, the conversation that we had. It's not fair. No. Uh, the Ben Simmons thing, this is the ultimate Ben Simmons game. Terrible on paper, but it literally he's the reason that Donovan Mitchell had two technicals. He Here's was the other thing. chirping. They were chirping back and forth all game. He, he had well, 34 on, no, 33 on 34 shots or, or, or one of them. I mean, that's Did just Jonathan Mitchell get with Kendall. No, uh, Jordan okay. Clarkson, who's the backup okay. point guard. Okay. Cause I know there's like, whenever he plays a Kendall game, it's like, there's a little bit more heat to it. Right. It was the rookie of the year conversation. Okay. Remember that? Oh, when that's, that's still a player? thing. What that's are these guys? Terrell Owens and Donovan McNabb. They can't get over something that happened years ago. Let's get over. You guys are both millionaires now. I don't think um, so. No, let me tell you something. If just looking at the stat sheet, right. 
let's say Tobias Harris doesn't get 22. All this game proves to me is that we were 100% right on Wednesday's conversation that they need to go find someone else who can score. Because if you're saying he got eight points in overtime, that takes him down to what? Um, 14 points going into overtime. I mean, you need you need another guy who can score consistently. I mean, you're not going to get in, in the playoffs. You're not going to be getting 40 and 19 from Embiid. Listen, I don't want to be a negative Nancy, but this just this game only proves to me that they're, they're still one piece away. It's a good win. Don't get me wrong, but they're still a piece away. We're on Kyle Lowry house watch. Yeah, he sold his house. $5.6 million in Toronto. Okay. Kyle, yeah. Kyle Lowry house watch. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I mean, it, it's, it, we talked about it on, uh, on Wednesday, but uh, you do. You need another piece. And I think Kyle Lowry would fit perfectly here. I see Lou Williams as well. I mean, Gary, you didn't watch it, but the, it was a tale of two halves in, in, in terms of the bench. The bench came out for, I want to say, the last five minutes of the first quarter and then the first five minutes of the second quarter and the jazz were just eating them apart. And then this was kind of like the Dwight Howard game where in the second half, Dwight has a three. I think he had finished with 12 or 13. See, I, I saw some Dwight moments on Twitter. Yeah. I did see that. It was so, it, it was, it was a, it was a Jekyll and Hyde bench team because they came out with the bench in the second half and the bench actually tied it up. Um, it felt good. If you, I, I was too much of a pussy, but if you took the live line, um, in the second half, it was, it was, it was an easy bet. You could oh, see so that you didn't take the Philly trifecta last night. It's really just a double down, but every I took, time I took I, the Philly trifecta, I lose well, it. It wasn't, it wasn't a trifecta. I took the money line on the Sixers and I took the money line on Nova. Boom. Hitter. Rest in peace. Con parlay Gillespie. action. Um, who was that? Rest in peace. Con Gillespie. He's towards ACL. He's oh. a starting point guard. Best player. on RIP in peace. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. Playoff basketball. It was the first time like on a random, you know, Wednesday in March, I'm standing up my TV in the last minute and just like going nuts with, with every, every basket, every defensive stop and whatnot. I mean, it was, it was a literal playoff basketball type where it's like, they don't win this game last year. They don't win this game two years ago. They probably don't win this game unless they have Jimmy Butler that year that they obviously had Jimmy. Um, Utah was answering. I mean, it was, it was, it was everything you could want in a Sixers win. And the fact that the callers or Pompey is, is, is writing anything but positive articles is insane to me. And I'll talk well, about the Pompey article if you want to. I was going to say, I think, I think Pompey's kind of getting an interesting rap here. I think all he was pointing out is that he was, he was ducking some of the, I wouldn't even say ducking, but he was not playing. And inside the article, it says, you know, a source close to the Sixers, he gets to make the decision. So, I mean, he's inferring things, sure. But I'm sure, I mean, if this is what Embiid has to do to fire himself up, I mean, Jordan was literally getting angry over pizza. So, like, if this is what you got to do to make yourself score 40 points, I don't care. Pom- no, you're right. Pompey should just start calling him a pussy every night. I think he's I think he's cherry picking a little bit though too. Yes, sure. he you could say he ducked Jokic. You can say he ducked. I can't believe we're even talking about Andre Drummond and, and right. Jonas Valanciunas in the same sentence as as Sabonis and um Well and Gobert the first time around. And I Gobert guess. And, and Jokic. But he gives he gives Gobert 40 and 19. He gives Anthony Davis and Marcus All 28 in one of the big in one of the biggest wins of the year. Four days later, he supposedly ducks Jokic. I mean, that's four days after LeBron <laughs> pushed him out of the middle of the air and he had... Oh, yeah, when LeBron tried to kill him. Yeah. Um, here's the other thing. Um, I can't wait for when Gobert eventually wins Defensive Player of the Year and we all just reply underneath it with the stat line of Embiid. Exactly. It's yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because, I mean, if there's ever like a, you shouldn't win Defensive Player of the Year, if you get hung 40 on by the MVP... Well, I mean, he's the MVP, so I guess I just talked myself out of that, but... Regardless, no. I mean, he's he. he I, I, it's so hard to to measure defense. I mean, there's so, there's so much that goes into it, but like, oh, the Ben hates out of control. I think we talked about this on Wednesday. Ben, I mean, listen, if you don't have Ben Simmons last night, you probably don't win the game. Even don't, though um, Donovan Mitchell was lighting his ass up with points, no, he wasn't. He shot thirty four. He had thirty four thirty three points on thirty four shots. Gare. Oh, okay, so what's that half? No, that's not even 50%. He shot like 30% uh, from the field. See, I don't know why. I think I was just, I talked to myself and I'm like, damn, that was a good shooting percentage. Yeah, he was 12 of 34. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I probably should have looked at the other stats. <laughs> I heard 33 of 34. I'm like, damn, that's a hell of a night. 
And that's okay. I mean, that's a that's, retracted. Retracted. You're, you're, you're just being the house of highlights guy right now. Where you're like that Donovan Mitchell or well, no, well, see, I'm just well. I'm but, going. I'm going straight off the CBS Sports app, and I didn't. I never even looked at the Jazz's stats. So. You're the guy who sees Anthony Edwards dunk all over that uh, Asian guy from Toronto and be like, "That Anthony Edwards is having a great year. He's like shooting like thirty percent from three. Couldn't even like tell you who Anthony Evan, Anthony. What's his name? <laughs> Anthony Edwards. I don't know who that is. Um, like he's wasting away in Minnesota. He's got like. Here's another thing I wanted to say. If this, if this, uh, there's a trade that a trade's going to happen. I'm looking at this, like at this Thibel. I mean, listen, he played 19 minutes, had two steals and I'm sure it was a fantastic defensive bet. Had no points, but I'm, I'm kind of like on the thing where it's like, I don't think you can trade Thibel because I think his defense is going to be too valuable come defense. I mean, come playoff time. So I'm, I'm all aboard trading Tyrese Maxey. So then why can we trade Ben Simmons? Sorry. I'll, oh no, I never wanted to trade Ben. I never no? wanted to do that. You know that you, you, best four in the league. He is the best four in the league. I said I didn't want to trade him. I said, but if you lose in the second round this year, obviously a change has to make. You're literally your only trade piece of value would probably be Ben. I, I don't think you can trade Ben and trade Matisse. That's just too much defense you're giving away. Um, well, going yeah. back to your Tyrese Maxey point, it does worry me that he gets a, he gets a DMP yesterday. Um, Tyrese Maxey's not going to be your guy. He hit the rookie wall. It's, the rookie wall always happens. Um, he's not going to be a guy in the playoffs. He probably could benefit from the G League, but I think the G League's over March 11th, so it doesn't even matter that he's going down. It's time there. for Isaiah Joe to step up. Isaiah Joe had a couple good good games. Um, he's kind of I don't know if he's falling out of favor uh, with Doc, but he's gotten a couple DMPs. Um, yeah, Tyrese Maxey. I mean, the 39 points was was great and whatnot. Hope they can develop him. Hope Sam Cassell can get him, but uh, he's not going to be the guy. And that's why I think a Kyle Lowry, a Lou Will, pack your bag. Get him out of here. Yeah? Yeah, pack his bags. Get him out. We'll send a Tyrese Maxey shirt to him at his new, his new location. And I'm not hating on the kid, but <laughs> hey, listen, I'm trying to win a championship and you're young. You'll have your shot, kid. Um, that is one also, thing where I, you go- would, I, I, would, I would mortgage a little bit of the future for, for Kyle Lowry. Uh, so hold on a second. This Kyle Lowry trade package that's being thrown around right now is insane. It's like two first, Maxey, Danny Green, and yeah. Seth Curry. I'm like, this, I don't I'm like that's... No. No, 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 no. Where did you see that? One year control. That was being brought up today. Like that was like an initial. That was brought up. Well, that whoever said that should be kicked off the air or kicked off from calling ever again. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm like two firsts for a guy who's contract. I'm like, if it's, if it's green curry and a first fine, take it. But like outside of that, no, 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 we are not getting rid of. No, I think, I think you're going to have, I think, well, if they can't, oh wait, no, Mike Scott can go because the money has to work. I think it's Mike Scott, Danny Green and a first. And if it's a first, it's probably going to be in the, in the late twenties. Send them. That's yeah, fine. Who cares about the first? Also, will, give them all your seconds out. for the rest of the rest of your life. Just give them all your seconds. Here's the yeah. seconds for as long as we exist. Also, I want to go back to this: the Zaire Smith, uh, Mikel Bridges trade, all time bad trade. I That's think. a bad trade. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's a bad trade. Like just another another example of just terrible management from the Philadelphia 76ers pre Mori. When we got on this podcast today, and you told me you're going to bring up a Zaire Smith Mikel Bridges trade. I would have told you those are odds are like 10,000 to one. Yeah. I just wanted, to, I, I was looking at the roster. didn't even see Sire Smith on there. I'm like, you know what? All time bad trade. You know what happened, right? No. He got traded to the Mavs and waved like in a week later. He's not oh, even in the league okay. anymore. Oh, good for him. Yeah. And Mikel Bridges is out there killing it. Remember when we celebrated? Oh, we got the Villanova kid. His mom was all excited. And we packed, she was like, pack your bag, kid. You're going to Phoenix. Mom worked in HR in the Sixers and was like, yeah, see you later, kid. Well, I mean, hey, listen, Philadelphia or Phoenix in the middle of January. Philly. Wow. Because you have a chance to win here. You're not going to some dead city like Phoenix. That's not the Gary I heard from two days ago is that I would move to Arizona. Yeah, but I don't play basketball. Uh, that's true. Well, Phoenix is really cool. Um, I, mean, I lived in Phoenix. I loved Phoenix, but... I don't think anything else. I, I just, you know, just to go back to the Keith Pompey article, I don't want to harp on it anymore. I mean, he, he, he saw an opportunity, 48 hours of clicks. I don't blame you. Go get your clicks, boy. That's Anthony Davis. Paid nowadays. Anthony Davis, he had 28 against. Played awesome against Brooklyn twice when uh, Jared Allen... One of the best defenders, young defenders in the league. And then, uh, I mean, he literally had Devonta Sabonis. Hell of a defensive lineman, too. <laughs> uh, it's Jarrett. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, and then uh, Wynum, Dynam, 69 Um yeah. Devonta Sabonis gave 24 and 13 to him. And literally, with Miles Turner's help as well. So, uh, is Embiid ducking? I would say no. I'm perfectly okay with Embiid also- sitting out when he wants to sit out. Also, who the fuck cares? Exactly. As long as this guy's healthy come playoff time, who cares? Exactly. If he, if, if Embiid wants to have a beef with that beef with anybody, I just lisp a little bit there. 
have a beef with Howard Eskin because Howard Eskin's literally hated him since the day he was picked. I think Howard Eskin hates the Philadelphia 76ers. I think it's, I think he does. It's funny how the, the, the father son are on two completely different atmospheres. Well, I think if you were spike, he would trade and be tomorrow for future assets. He never wants to process the end. <laughs> That's what spike wants. He's like, no, the process needs to continue to process. You get to trade the process to complete the process. What's best for the pod, baby. I don't know. I mean, that would be, no, the process would, I'm not, I'm not doing another process. No, not our pod. RTRS. Okay. Oh, for, yeah. Yeah. We can bring this up with Barchard on Monday too, because I want to ask, I wanted to ask this, like, can you do the process with the Eagles in Philadelphia? Like, do you think you would have enough people to be able to buy in? I can't or do you think we- by like the second week we'd be like, what the fuck are we doing? I was just walking down the street today and I can't believe we're, we're, we're morphing this into a, an Eagles conversation, but Hey, you know, this is the city you live in. Um, I can't do two years of bad Eagles. Uh, Eagles, I can't. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think I, I even if Howie came out tomorrow, and I, I think this is actually, we won't delve into this too much because I actually want to do this with Barcher. But I think if Howie came out and said, hey, we're not going to be good for two years. I know Hinky never really said it, but like his actions clearly proved it. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could sell the fan base, Eagles fans on it. I think you could sell the Sixers because you, you came with a new way of thinking. So Eagles like, hey, too much stuck. To too yeah, it, it wouldn't work, but- Maybe tune into that show on Monday with John Barchard. Cool. Anything else you want to cover? I mean, it was awesome. It was just, it was, it was the, the win that you need going into the all-star break. No, maybe, just go Sixers, biggest fan in Philly. I mean, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I love that you just looked at the stat line. Like that, that, that Donovan Mitchell gave Ben buckets. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't, when everyone was like, oh, he had 33 points and 34 shots. I'm like, that's pretty good. Do you have to ice your shoulder after the game? I feel like if I lifted 34 shots, my shoulders the next day would be killing me. I don't know. I hit, I mean, I hit like 355 balls a day. So like, I feel great. Really? Well, I don't hit 350. I, I hit at least 200 shots a day. As a lower, as a lower back feeling it the next day or no? I feel good. I've been, I have a lot of swing changes going on with my hips right now. I'm oh. pushing things right. It wasn't a good round. It wasn't a good showing yesterday. Okay. Well, Hey, listen, Hey, rounds are made in the off season. Damn right. They are. That's why All we right. have the Academy set up. All right, buddy. Well, good talking to you. Go birds. Go birds. The Winter Boys podcast was created and hosted by Gary Lay and Kyle Pagan with contributions from Jason Green, executive producer John Barchard, and our theme song is Tell